Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions. We are down a man tonight. Chris V is out sick from his second COVID shot. We wish him well on a speedy recovery. It is part two of our series about getting into treatment. Tonight, our guest is Matt S. from Southern New Jersey. And I'm very excited to have Matt uh, join us tonight. He is a professional within the recovery community. Um, and so before we get into you know some questions and conversation around that, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story? All right. So uh, just a little bit about myself is to kind of like I guess tell you what kind of brought me into the field is I am a person that's in long-term recovery. Uh, I'll be celebrating 13 years clean on June 1st. Um, so like it's been a beautiful journey. Uh, you know, I can say like, you know, not that like it was some crazy story, you know, I came from a good background, had both parents, lived a nice life. So it wasn't like I necessarily like said I had a reason to do what I did. Um, and for a while, like I struggled to accept that I had an addiction or whatever language somebody might like to use in regards to the recovery process. Uh, because I got, I like to compare myself to my brother and my brother used more severe drugs than I did. Um, I wasn't stealing. I had a college degree. I was independent. I paid my own bills. So in my mind, like I wasn't affecting anybody. Um, and like, as the recovery process went through, really like came to terms with the fact like it's really hard to measure like the hours of sleep my mom lost um wondering if like she's going to get the phone call the fed showing up at my house like those are hard things to like kind of put your family through um so i just remember like my first drink i went to an all-boys school my freshman year of high school and i was like ter- terrified of women anxiety fear not maybe like a sense of not being accepted and i had that first drink at 16 and i remember i was at the bowling alley dancing and like there was no worries and you know it just like it, it changed it and i can't say like oh at that point like i was in love and my life changed and i needed it like i was the typical high school person i would say and then you know things just changed i partied more um substances changed i began to live a lifestyle that doesn't really reflect who i am today uh you know i would say like one of the major turning points was at the age of 19. Uh, my dad was facing some legal charges and then you know i remember like clear as day like being at work at camden and my boss just like like what's my dad dead and he's like go home and you know it was ruled attempted murder uh attempted murder suicide and like that 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 just sticks in my head still like pretty vividly of like what that drive home was and the insanity of my thought process was like not too early like it wasn't too long prior to that that I was in a hit and run and the detective that was involved was at my house at that time when I got home and I asked him if I'm going to be in trouble for the drugs that are in my room. And, you know, 
And he's like, we went through it, you know, and I got the pot out of the house and some other things. And I was just banged up. And I can't even tell you how, for how long I was. Like, I was numb to everything. And, like, thank God for, like, some of my friends that were, like, really there for me. Um, And I had friends, and I'm not talking, like, recovery for, like, just people there to love me when, like, I had no idea what the hell I was doing to myself. Um, Yeah, so, like, someone had... Years went by, it got to a point that people thought I was somebody that I wasn't. And um, you know, I put myself in dangerous situations and everything on the outside started to crumble, crumble down. Um, I won't say that like I lost my, my condo. I still have my school. I just finished up the master's degree in elementary education. So I went down to Florida. Someone was threatening to kill me, threatening to kill my mom. And like, I was just scared to death and I didn't go down there because I really wanted to make change. I wanted to run away. Um, so like, you know, I had a couple of experiences. I want to say I didn't fully surrender. And then like the last time that I drank, it was, you know, there was no like severe external consequences. It was just like spiritual bankruptcy after experiencing like a new way of life. And then like putting that drink in me, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Um, you know, and I just dove in and I can say like the first two years of, uh, of being clean, like I went to meetings every single day. I came back to New Jersey. Um, people were telling, you know, and I, this is where like, I think part of like even the counseling approach to, and I didn't know that this was what was going on at that point, but I think education and counseling, it's teaching. So there's a, a lot that, that like are intertwined within it. Uh, people were telling me at like two years clean that I was coming back to New Jersey to get high. And, you know, people would pass in their judgment. Like, listen, if I wanted to do that, I would have done it already. Um, mm. And unfortunately, like most of those people that I was close to in Florida, like made decisions that don't align with recovery and are in different places today. Um, you know, and I came back to New Jersey and I did the same thing that I did down there. And, you know, I got a home group. I went to meetings every single day kept my mouth shut because I'm still quiet and people noticed me and I noticed people and I developed good relationships and, you know, I said I was done working in the field because I worked at a detox for one year down there and it was exhausting. It drained me. Um, so I was like, I'm going back to New Jersey and I'm going to work as a teacher and make real money. I want to live life. And, and you, you know, I reflect back now. I'm like, Holy shit. Like year one of sobriety was like awesome. But you know, it almost like it, the whole process of life. When I was a kid, I wanted to grow up. And now that I'm an adult, I just want to be a kid again. And mm-hmm. it's like the same shit. It's like when you're early in recovery, you just want to have all this other shit. Well, guess what? Like, I'm not saying I don't love what I have. Most people won't want to walk in my shoes on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just what it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, like recovery has given me much more. I have everything that I wanted when I was a kid. I didn't know if I would obtain that, but like, I live a really good life. And you know, it's stressful. And it's again, like people have said to me, those things that's really stick. Like if you don't leave the basics, you don't have to go back to the basics. Mm. Uh, I've re- remained committed the whole time. You know, it's just like these beautiful experiences. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I stayed in this process. I started working in a treatment facility. I've been there for over 10 years now. Um, and through that process, I became a certified alcohol and drug counselor, went back to graduate school became a, a licensed certified alcohol and drug counselor, licensed professional counselor. Um, 
you know, I was, was primary therapist and I was lead therapist and then supervisor. Um, you know, and you learn a lot of good. You learn some things that maybe don't align with like my own personal values. And, you know, it, this is like the application of the principles in all my affairs. And at the end of the day, I can do what I can do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the whole journey is a beautiful thing. And there's definitely been ups and downs, you know, and that's like one thing I, and I heard, this is what I heard is you get clean and your life's going to be perfect. I don't think people were saying that to me, but for some reason, that's what I heard in early recovery. So I think for me, it's important, like whenever I talk with people, just to be transparent and honest that like you're going to have ups and downs and not to paint this picture that, hey, everything's going to be fucking smooth for you because like, we're still living life. It's not like you put the substance down. So like, really, I don't want to say I haven't put something in me for a long time, but if I don't deal with life stressors, I put myself at risk and it's important to stay engaged in the process. That's kind of like the abridged version. I don't want to talk your guys ears off too much. Matt, thanks so much for your story. I really appreciate it. You mentioned in your opening, uh, having a, a brother who was also using substances. What's that like growing up, you know, you know, having a, a you know, another you know, sibling or, you know, being around that, you know, and how, how does that, how does that affect you? So there are like various levels, I would guess, you know, like my brother actually got clean before I did. And then he had two years and, you know, I was still caught up and I had drugs in the house, not thinking about how that could affect him. And at the end of the day, like he ended up relapsing after two years clean. He went, he never blamed me, you know, but I'm sure it didn't help him either. Um, so like the selfishness and self-centeredness. And at one point, as sad as this may be, is when I got clean in Florida, he was on a run and he ended up coming down to Florida and getting clean shortly after I did. But like in my mind, I was like, if my brother dies, like I'm not using. Um, and it's like a, a dark place. I, you know, no one wants to think like that, but it, you know, it's just kind of, this is how like life uh, events have informed me as a person that I've gotten like thicker skin and losing my dad at 19 and kind of learning like, Hey, not that like nothing matters, but life's going to go on. And like, you know, what am I going to do in my life today? And it's not that I don't love him to death. Um, you know, I, he's doing well. He has a beautiful life. So it's nice that mom gets to see both of us doing well. But yeah, I mean, we, we drank together. We partied together. We'll still see people. And some people like, you know, if I have speakers come in that know me from my past. So like that, I don't think Matt's like the angel that he looks like he is today. And, and you know, like, and we laugh about it really because it, it, it's true. Like I don't act like I was some crazy maniac, but they probably remember more than I do. So I think that speaks volumes. You know, um, to, to kind of move more towards the topic of, of getting into treatment and your expertise. Um, I know when I was going into treatment for the, it was my first time. I didn't know what to expect. Um, can you help the listeners who are thinking about getting into treatment kind of understand what to expect getting into treatment. Um, last time we talked about the whole process of getting there, but once someone enters treatment, what, what can they expect? Like once they're in the doors, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the answer would really like vary depending on the level of care that they're in. And so many agencies operate differently in terms of like an inpatient facility that, 
they likely put you on some type of blackout period where they don't want you to have distractions or find a reason to leave against medical advice, especially as, you know, you're experiencing some physical withdrawal or even like mentally shot out. Um, you know, they don't want you to manipulate your family. Your family's still going to love you and they're going to hear how bad this place is. You know, you, and it could be the, a beautiful facility and you're telling them how terrible it is and your family just wants to bail you out because they're sick too. And that's where like the disease or the family dynamics of it all is like your family wants to take care of you and then they get sick um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and it affects them in many ways, the same way that we're affected with it when we put in the substances, they start to miss work, they have medical issues. Um, so I can only speak on like my experiences of it is most facilities are going to, I hate to say it, but like jam 12 steps down your throat. Um, and being like a strong 12 step member, I, my, as I've evolved professionally, I don't think that that's the most appropriate is it's kind of like meeting the client where they're at and understanding that people have different needs and like, it's not a, a one size fits all. And I do believe the field is evolving and having like more professional setting where like in the past, it was primarily like your credentials are you're in recovery. And then that's not taking away from the experience of someone being in recovery, but like, listen, everyone's not going to be open and 12 steps aren't going to be for everybody. And, you know, some people may not like to hear that, but that's the reality. And who's to say like what your recovery is or what my recovery is needs to be your recovery. I mean, if you're living a happy life and you feel connected spiritually or however that is, God bless you, man. Like enjoy life. I think that's so I know a really like an good indirect point. answer. But. No, no, it, it, it's a really great point, Matt. And you kind of led into an area around recovery in general. You know, a lot of people associate the 12 steps with sobriety, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a 12-step program. And really, Sober Solutions is geared towards the recovery community. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, and it's because we recognize exactly what you were talking about. There's different paths for different people. And, and I think, you know, for us and for our listeners – it's the individual who has to find the right path for them on that journey of, of recovery through sobriety. So I think, I think it's an excellent point. Um, I want to go back to, you were talking about, it depends on what level of treatment that you go into. Can you talk to us about the different types of levels of treatment and which one's the most appropriate and how do we know that which one to go into? So and I think, again, the industry as a whole has developed a bad reputation. It really, there's been a, like a lot of press about people committing fraud, agencies doing this and that, patient brokering, um, because it is very like incentivized financially um, with some things. So, you know, on the business end, some people might want to see in the highest level of care. And again, granted, if you're using a substance that you're physically dependent on an inpatient detox or ACM criteria 3.7 D, and that's more on like the clinical end, but like that's what you need it is a medically stable. You need to be medically stabilized. And then for some people, it might be a step down to residential care, which could vary from agency to agency. Again, unfortunately, insurance companies probably going to dictate how long someone is able to be in residential treatment. 
unless your family has money. And sometimes you may hear about treatment centers telling people to like drain your retirement funds, whoever did kind of like, I don't want to say scare tactics, but um, you know, chasing money with things. And on, I, and I know like there are many facilities that do not do that, but the ones that do do it then receive like the spotlight and that kind of like paints a bad picture for the industry at a, as a whole. And there were like, there are a, a lot of good places that are really invested in giving people care. I will say like residential treatment may not be the most appropriate for somebody. The first time that they're coming into treatment is like you throw them in there and then they're learning more about drugs that they, they had no idea about. So like, I think it's best to kind of have the least restrictive level of care initially and then you see where somebody's at and you kind of like go through the stages of change with them and hopefully like they're able to connect with the group as a whole and then maybe get some exposure to a 12-step program or, or find other paths that help them develop like more of a support group. There's just, there's so many different like aspects to it all, but you know, running down detox, residential, PHP, which is like 20 hours or more, 20 to 39 maybe. IOP minimum nine to like less than 20 and then outpatient. And that could be individual counseling or that could be outpatient group therapy two or three times a week. Again, it, there's no right or wrong with it. I think once someone gets established with the group and someone feels safe, they want to remain engaged in treatment because many times people come in broken and terrified that they're not accepted. Uh, and it's nice to have that like camaraderie that's developed. Um, but no, that's my long-term treatment is not for everybody. The first time you're in treatment, it's like, hey, go away for a year. And it just could be like, fuck the treatment. I'm never doing that again when they're ready, when they really need the help. So, you know, and everyone, everyone's journey will be their journey. But that's where like, I think part of that could be is like maybe finding like an independent assessor that has no like investment in the financial aspect of the, the place that you maybe go. So, you know, the various options is, is there 12 steps? Is there also like CBT, other evidence-based treatments that are a lot involved with it? Uh, is there access to a psychiatrist? What is their like aftercare plan? You know, again, cause you don't want to just be a face. Oh, this is what everybody's doing. Except when your insurance company decides we're not going to pay, then you're, mm. you're not doing that. Um, yep. Yep. We, we heard a lot about that with, uh, with Dan O uh, from part one. Um, I just want to make a, a clarifying statement. Um, Matt, when you were talking about PHP and IOP, PHP is partial hospitalization program, which is a little bit of a longer day for the individual and, and IOP is intensive outpatient. Did I get those right? Correct. Awesome. Awesome. Matt, Matt the thing that I found really fascinating was you, when you were talking about as somebody who identifies as somebody who works a program, but you have to kind of divorce yourself from that to, to be in the profession that you're in. And I find that's, that's just incredibly fascinating to me because it's unbelievably admirable the work that you're, that you're doing. And, and I just want to, how, how are you able to do that and, and balance? I mean, I guess it is all about balance, but how do you find that balance? That's, it's been ups and downs with it, you know, um, 
the one thing, you know, and I called it early on working in the field is like helping other people cannot be your own recovery. And that kind of like really stuck with me. And I can remember, you know, the detox I worked in my first year, or I was, I was clean one year detox. There was tons of people dying plaques all over the wall. But when I had the, the opportunity to work with clients individually and in a group setting, losing my first client or hearing of the loss of my first client rocked me. And like, thank God, like my supervisor at that time. And I was like practicing yoga at that point. And I went and did a yoga class and like, I heard the message that I needed to hear from my yoga instructor. Um, so I, I try to, I mean, I, I still meet with my sponsor biweekly. I still have my home group that I attend weekly. Um, and those are good things, but it also is like, I kind of said like a hardening that you get. And that's like the, the challenge of being able to like turn that off. And when you're home with your family to have, be like more emotional, you know, like I can't break down in group when somebody is going through a difficult time. I mean, I can still like, I believe I do a nice job of like modeling expression of emotions. And that might be more of my self-disclosure. Like, yeah, like I feel your pain, but I'm not going to sit there and break, break down hysterically. So like it's, yeah, I mean, it's an ongoing, I, I even with the, through there, there's through these years, I've done my own counseling at different various things. I went away to Karen Foundation for like a, a two day pro overnight program because I was struggling with relationships. So it's almost, you know, if you're familiar with 12 step programs is like peeling away layers of the onion. Um, for me, if we want to put it more in like Freudian terms and stuff is like the unconscious mind and things start to come like to the surface the longer that you don't put things on in you and you self-explore more shit's going to come up and that's where i think but that personal growth helps me professionally yeah and and i i really liked how you were talking about um the holistic approach to recovery that you take um and that's ties into what you're doing now can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing yeah, so I actually I started uh, private practice um, because like, part I, I I love working in groups, but I like most counselors have a shorter uh, lifespan than myself, and I, I still love what I do. And you know I miss the you know the working at agencies, it, you can lose the connection on an individual level. So like a I started an individual practice where like, I'm able to like, Hey, this is the hour that I'm meeting with my clients, uh, mindfulness, meditation, uh, just more like a holistic approach and, and like improving your overall quality of life. Because I think at the end of the day, that's what most people want is you want to live a better life and whether, you know, we want to say addict, alcoholic addiction, whatever is remove all of that. Most people want to find some level of happiness and like improving our diet and the things that we put in our body and the news that we watch and the books that we read and the people that we're hanging out with are all going to impact the way that we interact with the world and, and our perspective on the world. I, I think that's amazing. I, I just love that perspective. Um, and one of the things that I would love to hear from you um, you know, with not just your vast experience in a 12-step program, 
plus your experience as a treatment specialist and therapist and counselor, for the newcomer out there, what would be one piece of advice that you'd want to give them? No. Oh. That's such a loaded question to say one piece. I mean, or yeah. or a couple, you know. Oliver guess any good at it. It's a loaded question. <laughs> you know, I would just say like remain open minded. You don't have to like. Some might not like. You don't have to believe everything that you say that everyone has to say. I mean, people are going to be people, so you have to remember people coming into recovery have their own sicknesses that they're dealing with. So people are people. There are like people that genuinely care. Um, you know, be open to hearing what is said, especially in a 12-step program, if that's where you're going, like sponsorship, home group is, we can throw that lingo out, but there's much more meaning behind it. So like to ask questions, like don't be scared to ask questions because when I walked in, I didn't know anything. So the way that I got more experience is I kept showing up. I asked questions. I got around more experienced people and I started to hang around people. And I would say like to choose and maybe sponsorship or the people that you're hanging out with is spend time with them and see how they're really interacting with other people. And I it always said like, to me, it sticks out as like, ah, oh, someone's like on this pedestal, but then you go out to the diner with them and they're an asshole to the waitress and they're giving her like a dollar tip. It's like, all right, well, guess what? She's working hard too. And why are you being disrespectful? And the fact that the food is cold, it's not her fault. So why don't you just like give her a break and talk to her like a nice person? So, and again, we're all granted, we have bad moments, like, but just like I say, like, we say, you'll hear it, don't judge. All right, so don't judge, but take observations. If someone's an asshole all the time, then they probably need to work on not being an asshole. So if you want to be somebody that has like a long-lasting relationship, spend time with people that have long-lasting relationships. If you want to be in recovery for a long period of time, be around people that have more time in recovery. Uh, and I know the, the value and the meaning of relationships that you meet with people early in treatment. I, I would say like diversify and don't be dependent on them, um, you know, because people may make their own decisions and you may not see them around it in 30 days or 60 days and don't jump to conclusion that they're doing wrong. Who are we to judge? But just diversify, like have people that have like life experiences. You know, I know so many people that have experienced tragedy and like, I, I don't wish that on anybody, but it continues to instill hope that like, no matter what happens in life, you can get through it. And it might seem dark at times, but you keep putting one foot in front of the other and like you start to see some light. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know that if anyone does want to reach out, get in touch with you. Um, Matt is the owner of Holistic Healing and Wellness, and his website is www.njholistichealingandwellness.com. Matt, do you have an email that you want to share? Uh, you can do it, Matt period Scarduzio at yahoo.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Really great conversation. I know I got a lot out of it, and it was great seeing you. All right. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. All right. Take care. Wow. What an awesome guest tonight. Um, I think Matt had some great information for us and had a great story and just really brought authenticity to tonight's yeah. episode. 
Absolutely. And I really was, like I said to him, I was fascinated by the fact that he identifies as somebody that's working a program yet is still in the professional field of helping people in recovery and, and hearing that genuine struggle of, of how you, you divorce yourself from one without sacrificing the other, you know, and it's really admirable to see somebody I know, I know we, we had these conversations in, 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 in when we were in rehab, but, you know, like, Oh, we're, I, I want to get out and, you know, get into the, get into the field. And, and well, you are, I am. I'm, 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 I'm not, but, but it is, you know, for, for some people, it is such a moving experience that you want to give back if you can. And so to see somebody uh, see yourself do that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, to the point of the fact that I am getting a second master's in clinical psychology, looking to go into the field of uh, clinical mental health counseling and substance abuse disorders. He said something tonight that really got to me. It really hit me deep. He said, helping other people cannot be your only recovery. You know, there's so much more to staying sober. And I think a piece of me was like, well, if I become this clinical psychologist and I work with other addicts and alcoholics and I am a sponsor, I'm going to be good. But that's not true at all. You know, I have to continue right. to work my program. I have to continue to do the things that I've been doing for almost the last 10 months. And, you know, that's what's going to keep me sober. It's not just one thing. It's all these things holistically, which is what I love about his his business. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a great episode. The only thing it was missing was Chris. Yep. Well, Chris, if you're listening tonight, we hope that you're feeling better, buddy. Well, I think it was a great episode. And as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially that individual who will pick up for the first time tonight. Good night, boys. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.